tell you who is talking right now because you're tuning into the John Kahn Report. So if you hear someone else talking, it's the wrong podcast. You're here for Redskins stuff. Let's get right to it. We're going to talk about the Redskins' latest moves, entering free agency, Zach Brown cut, Stacey McGee cut. If you've been listening to me for anything over the last couple weeks, you will know that those moves are not surprising. I'm also going to get into Odell Beckham and what his ouster means for the Redskins with my guy, Bram Weinstein. First, though, let's look at the Redskins' moves with Brown and McGee. Let's start with the numbers. It's going to save them. $8 million combined. Does this mean they're going to be in on other guys after signing Landon Collins the other day? No, I don't believe it will because I've been told that they were going that the expectations that they're going to be kind of quiet from here on out. That could mean some low-end bargain signings. That could mean they wait until a, a, with a guy they consider blue chip becomes available and now you have some money in reserve to maybe go make that move. But I'm not expecting any other huge moves right now. Things always change. Things are always fluid. Let's get into Zach Brown. Why did they cut this guy? Because everybody thinks or everybody looks at it as like he's this great, flashy player. Okay, well, here's a couple of reasons. One, his, his re-signing last year was not unanimous in that building. And that's, you know, this is not my opinion. This is what I've heard. And this is what I've heard over the last year. There were people there who did not want him resigned. They resigned him anyways. There were wild inconsistencies for, for that staff with him on the field. He would look good one play, and I think one person told me he'd look like a Hall of Famer one play and like a guy who didn't know what he was doing on the field the next. That was the Zach Brown experience for them. Is that worthy of him being cut? Well, clear, clearly it was. Now, I think one thing to keep in mind with, with a guy who likes to freelance, and that's what essentially he would often do, you can absorb that in a defense if you have a certain types of guys around you. I remember talking to Daryl Green one time about Wilbur Marshall and how Wilbur liked to freelance. And, and that was his comment. He goes, sometimes you need a guy like that who can just go make a play. Those defenses could absorb a Wilbur Marshall. This defense could not because they had other guys, you know, um, who maybe would see one thing, do one thing when they were supposed to do another. Sometimes that would happen to a DJ Swearinger, you know, um, guys like that. And, it, you know, maybe, sometimes maybe a Josh Norman. And I don't think that Norman necessarily freelances, but sometimes assignments aren't always uh, finished out properly by the entire group. So I think that became a problem. So I think they're trying to get better there. They also had Reuben Foster there. They brought him here for a reason. Foster and Brown played the same position. So neither one of those guys are going to be signal callers. So again, you have Reuben Foster here. He's the guy you want in that spot. It makes Zach Brown expendable. And Brown knew, he probably even said at the end of the year that he knew the writing was on the wall. It's not like everything he did was horrible. It's not. He did make some plays. He does have speed. And when he diagnosed and would make the play right, man, it was fun to watch. The problem for them is that wasn't happening enough. And the problem for them is other times guys would look bad compensating for, for a guy like Brown or even others who might be freelancing. They need less of the freelancers. If you have a smart defense, nine, ten other guys, you can absorb that. The Redskins were not a smart defense last year. Stacy McGee, that one is easy to see. The Redskins have multiple young defensive linemen, whom, whom they want to count on for the future. And that, you know, Tim Settle, uh, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis. And they even, um, you know, they like Caleb Brantley too. So McGee was going to be a back-end rotation guy for them. You're saving $2.3 million. 
not a big surprise there. It gives him a chance to go somewhere else. And going back to Brown, I'll be curious to see what happens with him in free agency. Keep in mind, he'll now be looking for his fourth team. And the last two off seasons, he's been free. And it's taken a little while for a team to get to sign him. I think in both cases, I believe it was after the owners meetings, which are toward the end of March, when he was signed by whatever team. So um, again, he does have some skills, does have some speed, but I'm not surprised at all by this move. Now, the big news in the division was Odell Beckham, and I want to bring in my guy Bram to talk about this. Bram, you're a, you're a Redskins, you've been a Redskins fan or follower for a long time. What do you, you know, when you look at this from your perspective, what do you think? They're nuts. <laughs> They're go. completely nuts. You do not trade someone like that. And the other part that doesn't really make any sense is why'd you give him the contract? That's what, the thing. what are you in the world are you giving him that contract for if you're not completely sold on that he is the future for you? And I don't know how you don't think he's the future for you. And I got to be honest with you. If I'm Saquon Barkley today, I want out. I want out. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I want out. I do not want to be there. Eli Manning is not the quarterback of the future, but they're sticking with him clearly through this year. They just got rid of the other guy who can be a game-changing player. They just let Landon Collins walk. What exactly is their plan to rebuild around him? I, if I'm him, I'm going, I'm out of here. Well, I don't and, want anything to do with this. And how hard is it to build around a running back, too? Because that shelf life can be short. And so it's a lot harder to do that. You can build around a quarterback because you know that guy, could, if he pans out, he's going to be there for 10, 12 years. With a running back, you don't always have that. So how long is it going to take to rebuild that? Now, I'm going to tell you a couple. I did communicate with a couple people last night in the, in the division you know, other people in front offices or whatever. And one of the, I got a text back from someone else from a different team. So what do you think? You know, are you happy with this? And there was two words worth of response. And the first one was F <laughs> and the second one was, yeah. So yes, they were happy. Now I talked to somebody else who said that he, he did not like facing Odell twice a year. You hated facing him, but he didn't mind him being on the Giants because he kind of felt it might lead to an implosion eventually within that locker room. The one thing I'll say about that is I talked to um, other people, like even our Giants beat writers, like Jordan Ronong was like, he's really good in the locker room. Guys really liked him. So I don't know that it was an issue there. So it, this baffles me. I, I got the sense in just watching it and how he was covered that his explosions or his competitiveness or however you want to describe it wasn't divisive among the Giants. That it was perceived as right. the way it was covered. But I never heard or read anything from any players that even, and you know how this goes, like they'll hint to you, yes. this guy's a you-know-what or this guy's that. Or that. I never heard that from anybody up there. So something went sideways with the front office and the ownership there that they just didn't like how he represented the team, I think. Because otherwise, why in the world would you trade the best receiver in the NFL at his age? That doesn't make any sense no. to do anything like that. How are you better today? And here's how? the thing. If you're a Giants fan, go back to the draft last year. And and I, I'm not, this for me is not second guessing. I'm a big Saquon Barkley fan. I'm taking Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold's sitting there, I am taking down because now you have your guy to build around. And, you know, would you rather have Darnold and a second round running back or Eli and Saquon Barkley? 
which one going forward is a better part of your future. And I, I look at the Browns. I mean, I grew up in Cleveland, so I look at the Browns. You have Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb. It's a hell of a combination. Forget all the other stuff they've added. So I think that's the thing to me. And then, again, I go back to a conversation I had. It's like, well, clearly Dave Gettleman wanted to unload issues. But you're unloading an issue what, seven, eight months after giving that issue, <laughs> 18, 19 a year? You know what is really weird about this? Because I, I, I'm not, I'm old enough to know that like people used to talk about the Giants and the Steelers as like the stable franchises <laughs> that are the model franchises. And these past couple of weeks, those two franchises look beyond dysfunctional. In what the Steelers got back for Antonio Brown, at least Odell Beckham got them a first-round pick and others, okay? So you could at least say the trade on merit looks like it is mildly equal, except for the fact that he is his age, he's as marketable as he is, which is the other strange part right. of that, that they would let somebody go who might be the face of the NFL, whether you like it or not. He's going to put butts in the seats. He's going to sell jerseys. He's as marketable as any NFL player. He's young, and his talent is extraordinary. I I don't know what purpose it serves to trade someone like that. And here are the Giants and the Steelers trading off stars like they don't need them. With huge cap hits for the Steelers, too. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, there's a well, The Giants are sucking one up, too, here yeah, with this. Exactly. So, and it, as again, as a Redskins guy, it's got to please you to see there's all these issues with an organization, and it's not... This is not, it's not Washington being talked about. Well, I, I, I tweeted this last night, right? Since when did the NFC East become the wasteland of front offices? <laughs> because the Giants are ridiculous now. The Cowboys and the Redskins have been the same dysfunctional mess for a long time mm -hmm. under their boat, bo the two ownerships there. And now the Giants, who were a model of stability, I, I don't know what they're doing. And to go back to your point about Barkley, I, I, I felt this way last year too, that they were making a huge mistake and not in that he's not an incredible talent because he is. He is. He's the real deal. He is like a, very, very He good. is really, really, yeah, really good. I'm but they had to make a choice. Do you get the quarterback of the future or do you take him? And what's going to end up happening to him? And this is why if I'm him, I want out. He's got to know this. His prime years are going to be wasted on a team that can't win. That's what win. I'm saying. And they, they can't win. And, they, and they're wasted. They're, not only is it, he, they're wasting those prime years. And I think that's what would be very frustrating if you're a Giants fan. Now, who knows what happens? Maybe they trade up to get Kyler Murray, but would you rather have Kyler Murray or Sam Darnold? I think Darnold's going to be really good. And he was sitting there for you. And this is why, like I always say, if you really like a quarterback, you got to take him. And clearly they passed on Josh Rosen last year. I don't know if they'll go after him if he's in free, but man, that was a sizable move. Now, going to talk about another Giant in a minute, Landon Collins, why I think he's a good pickup for the Redskins. Big signing for free agency is Landon Collins, a safety, a position they have needed to fill for many, many years, just in case you had forgotten. He is a good, very good player. He is an elite in the box safety. That's what you hear. That's what I've heard from, of course, people inside the organization. Um, you're gonna, they're gonna expect to hear some good stuff about him from those inside. When I talk to others outside the organization about Collins, they've all been very high. I did talk to one guy who felt he was just an average player. Keep that in mind. It's a guy who does coach with another team. I 
respect his opinion, so I'm not gonna dismiss it, but most of the time you're gonna hear really good stuff about Collins. Again, talk somebody who was another uh, guy in the NFC East, felt he was a really good player. Thought the price tag was a bit much. In the end, it's a six-year, $84 million deal. Really, when you boil it down, it's about three years. I want to say approximately 32 to 35 million when you look at the guarantees and all that. So keep that second number and more in mind when you're talking about cons and anything else. Now, here's why I think it's good. And I'm going to bring Bram back in here in a minute to talk about this, but I want to give you my two cents on why I think this is a good move. First of all, that Alabama connection, I think, you know, while it's, it's going to be nice for the media to talk about it, I think there's some real things that come out of that. And the real parts of it are the approach and the preparation that those guys do. And you can see it. There's a difference in those players. And I see it in Jonathan Allen, Ryan Anderson, all those guys. And my understanding by talking to any you know number of people is that Landon Collins is exactly that kind of guy. And I think that's exactly the kind of guy they need in the locker room. I think when you look at some of the moves the Redskins have made on their defense in the last few months, I think you need to keep that in mind, that it's the approach and it's the willingness to do certain things on the field. I think that set him apart from, from others, and I think that's a valuable addition to them. How much is that worth? Well, apparently three and 35, so there you go. But I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why I really like the move. There are little subtle things too, and this is something I was talking about with somebody yesterday, that one of the things that you see on a really good defense are guys' willingness to give themselves up for each other, and you'll see that with New England. You'd see that with some of the Redskins' defenses, even like under Greg Williams back in the day. You would see guys are willing to hit a certain gap to occupy a guy so someone else can go get that sack. That's the kind of guys I think you need more of, and I think that's what, what Collins gives you. Now, can he cover? That's a big knock on him. I was talking to someone last night about this, and it didn't bother him that with his coverage skills, we just said, if you use him right, then you know, first of all, he said, everybody's got a flaw. Every good safety has a flaw, and yes, Collins has some little bit stiff in the hips. So when he turns to run, it can be a little bit of an issue. Now, in New York, where he'd have some issues, if he, you cover a certain tight end, quick twitch guys, going to have a problem. Saw it with Tariq Cohen, the Bears running back, had an issue. Sometimes with Jordan Reed, he's had some problems. Last year in the first game against Jordan Reed, I felt he did a really good job. I think one of the things I liked about him in coverage, when it would zone especially, first of all, I think he drives well on the ball. Secondly, you could see him, I thought he was, he's a very smart player. I'm going to get to that more in a minute in a conversation I had with Matt Bowen about him. But I say that because like you'd see sometimes against the Redskins before the snap, maybe a wide, wideness st stance a little bit to get outside the tackle to better leverage the running back coming out of the backfield, funnel him inside to where his help is. Saw that in a couple different occasions. You know, but I, he, he did rotate deep middle. He will have to do that here. I did not see teams challenge him deep middle like I think they could on some post routes and all that where you have to force him to turn and use those hips. He will have some issues there. He's not perfect. I think he gives him something. The smarts part, I talked with Bowen about this. Bowen wrote an article for ESPN the magazine a couple years ago where – he sat down with um, Landon Collins to watch some film, and he said he was blown away. This is two years ago. He's 23 years old at the time. He said he was blown away by what Collins was saying about what he saw in film, how his recollection of why he made certain decisions, things that he saw. He said this was like six months after the season, and for him to have that kind of rec recollection that long after it happened was was amazing to him said it was he said it was elite level stuff he said it was stuff that you'd hear in coaches meetings that's why he's a fan of Collins not a perfect player not going to solve every issue he's not Sean Taylor 
So, and nobody I don't think is ever going to say that, but he's not at that level, but he is a good safety. Um, I think one of the things, Bram, that I think we have to look at is, is this a typical Dan Snyder splash move? Yes and no. Um, I, I do think it's funny when, when people say that because I think it's been a long time since they've really been doing Correct. that regularly. Like they did it with Josh Norman because the opportunity arose when he was let go. You know, surprisingly, we were talking about the Giants earlier. It's the same, right? Same GM, right? Who did Josh right. Norman or the same guy who did that. Right. So so there's something he's got with like elite talents where he's just, I <laughs> he's like allergic to them yeah. for some reason. But he did that. And it, that's really the last time they did anything like this. The majority of the signings that they've had more than five to ten years running here have not been of the variety that we saw early right. in Snyder's tenure. And in this case, there is a clear need. Um, we were talking about this last week. I do think that if they really want to be competitive, because I think they know the situation they're in at quarterback and potentially at skill positions with Crowder gone as well, which I want to hear your thoughts yeah. on as well, is that their offense, to me, reads as going to be weak at best, right? Yeah. That that's not going to be their strength. Certainly so their only chance that they have here is to be elite on defense. And right now, they have what appears to be a very solid defensive line with young defensive tackles and now an elite back end. I like the building block of that. So yeah. I think there's a possibility here that that keeps them competitive. Are they going to be good enough offensively? I don't know. Does that make them a top five defense? I think that probably has a lot to do with Greg Minuski. I would say but coaching's yeah. got to come into play. And yeah. that's one thing. It's funny because you talk to some people there. Coaching has to come into play. You can't. I'm not going to sit here and blame everything on the, on the players because that, there's a reason I also think that Ray Horton is now coaching the defensive secondary. And I think they wanted somebody in there who could help Minuski more with coverages and coverage designs to match up with what he wants to do up front. Minuski's a former linebacker. You need somebody strong in that secondary to, to help him with a lot of that stuff. That's why Horton is here. Horton was a coordinator, and so I think he understands how to marry those concepts. I think that's important. They have to do a good job with this. And um, so I think that's it. And I'll tell you, here's, here's why it's not, first of all, there's no chance that they're making a move like this, and you know this, without Dan Snyder's approval. That doesn't mean he was going out there and saying, get Landon Collins. It was a go to him and say, this is what we want to do, and he's saying, get it done. I know that that, that from what I understand, is, is pretty much what happened. Now, back in the day, the problem was he would tell them, I want Malcolm Kelly. They would say, but he's always hurt. He would say, I want Malcolm Kelly, so they draft Malcolm Kelly. Guess what? He's always hurt. Those were some of the old moves. The old moves, too, were 30-year-old guys, guys who had red flags about character, Albert Hainsworth. This is a 25-year-old guy who they paid money to, big money, but he's 25, and he's considered a high-character guy. So he, in that regard, he is different. Now, the aggressive part, that's classic Redskins. That's fine. They wanted a guy, saw the guy, they got the guy. They were in on C.J. Mosley, going back, that, going back to the defense. That's the only other big-name player that they were really in on, and even that got too high for them. So there was a limit they were willing to go to, and for him it got too high, but that was the only other guy they were really in on. The other two things I like about it is, one, okay, he has some kind of, and I'm guessing this is a lot of safeties or defensive players are like this. There's some kind of cult fascination with Sean Taylor. Oh, big right? Okay, so there is. And I, you know, that that's an interesting story maybe for someone to do at yeah. some point, is around the league this kind of cult fascination with him. And I know he died young, and, so I, and he's an extraordinary talent. And I think there was a lot about him that probably resonates yeah. with all of these young players. He has it. He wears the number. He had stated coming here 
here. You know, you wanted to play. So that's great mm -hmm. from the Redskins' perspective. They needed someone like this, and, and I agree with you. If you're going to go spend the money on somebody, do it for somebody at this age who's already playing at this caliber. And he knows the division. Yeah. I mean, he knows the division. He's been playing in it, right? So he knows the Eagles. He knows the Cowboys. And he clearly knows the Giants, who well, yeah, are, are, are all of a sudden a one-trick pony, yeah. right? They're really a one-trick pony. That, I will now. say that yeah. one-trick pony is the kind of guy that gives him trouble. I but agree. He, Barkley gives everybody trouble. So if he struggles against Barkley, not gonna, I wouldn't slip my wrist because Barkley does well against anybody. So I think you know there is that. But I think it is, like I said, I'm going to go back to that culture, too, because I think you need a lot of guys. If you want to have a smart physical defense, Guess what you need? Smart physical players. And I think he fits in there. Again, he's not perfect. He will make mistakes, but he is a smart physical player. So I think that's why, you know, I think it's good to get a guy like that. It's not my money. You can maneuver the cap. So, you know, whatever there. But I think he was a good signing. Another guy they picked up, Case Keenum. How about that? We'll talk about him in a minute and what this means going forward for the Redskins. Big news last week, Case Keenum. It's a blockbuster trade there, Bram. Oh, anyway, God. yeah, and you know, you hinted at this last week. Definitely, you, you mentioned him. I did, and I was sitting there going, "No, yeah." I, no. Mean, I was shaking my head while you were doing it. I, I didn't think that that was the direction yes. they were going to go. And that, and I, I was told that there, you know, clearly that they had interest in him. I didn't know if that's where they would end up, but I knew that there was interest there. And when you look at it, it's like. After the Why? Deal. Outside of money, because he's not expensive. Why? Money. Yeah. But, uh, and, and I'll say this. There, the things that I, that I think people like about him, you can probably also say about Colt McCoy. Competitor. Good leader. Good in the locker room. Um, guys do like him because they are competitors. And so I think what he gives you is a guy who can help get you through the season. Because whether or not Colt McCoy starts... You have two guys who can combine to get you through the season, and I think that's something that appeals to them. So they know right now that they have that. Whatever happens to draft, and I'll get to that in a minute. So I think, but I think the flexibility with the cap to get him for three and a half million, which is all they're going to pay, I think is a pretty good win because I think if he goes in the open market, the way backup quarterbacks are going, and you almost have to consider that's what he would be for another team. Um, depending on you know, for most of these teams, I think he would be. So let's say you get him for seven million as a backup. That's almost the going rate. Well, Colt McCoy only makes 3.3. You can't pay, you're not going to pay him $7 million. And I think that was a, another part here that he was, he's not coming here as a guaranteed starter. So you can't pay him twice what you're paying Colt McCoy. No, they're not. So I think it gives him some flexibility there, cost less. I think with Alex Smith's deal, their quarterback cap number is still only about $26 million, $27 million or so this season. It's less than a lot of other teams. So I think that was a big appeal to them. Again, I'll stress when I talk to people around the league, competitor is always the word I'd hear. And um, I think guys in Minnesota seem to like him. I heard Adam Thielen was a, was a fan of his. I don't know how to what extent, you know, if you thought he was a great quarterback or just like he compete or a good guy. And when I watch him on film, I would see that competitor stuff. I watched, was it the first game last year against Seattle? Big game for him, 300 yards. I think he was like 21 of 29, three touchdowns. But this is the Colt, this is the, excuse me, the, the Case Keenum experience. Also had three picks, and those three picks were ugly. And sometimes you're going to get, like, I remember watching Peyton Manning one time against the Redskins in one night game. 
surgical, surgical. But in that game, he should have had two or three picks because of his anticipatory skills. So he almost has picks because he's throwing into danger, anticipating a win. Too often, I'd see with Keenum, he was throwing into danger because he didn't see something. Not because he's anticipate, anticipating, but because he didn't see something. But what I liked about him is how he'd respond on the next drive. He, he, didn't let it, he didn't let it knock him down. So I think that's where that competitor side comes out of. He can move around. He can make some plays. So there you go. You have two guys who are kind of similar in that regard. You know what the story, I cannot wait for you to write the story, that when you get to talk to him about essentially replacing Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins is in Minnesota that's, and he went farther with Minnesota than Kirk Cousins did with Minnesota, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> that's going to be and, the incredible story I mean, that I can't and wait And it is, and I think, yeah. you know, it's funny, what always, in that game, that year he had a really good game against the Redskins. I mean, but he had two ugly picks, but he did play really well. And But yeah. what struck me is even after that game, the Vikings writers kept having to get from Mike Zimmer, is he your guy now yeah. going forward? And it was always like, why is he not your guy? It's the cl- that was the classic lightning in a bottle. It was. Yes. He had he had a magical year. And, and, and they had. And the, that's it. And here's that, the, that's the And that's it. And they knew that. And they're still right for going and getting an upgrade if you perceive Correct. it as an upgrade. It just didn't work out. Yeah. Right. And and right. And I think when you look at the things that I think that drove and it's funny because I know Redskins fans are what they're going to say about this, but he had four turnovers in the playoffs. Keenum did. And I think that kind of sealed his fate there. But you also keep in mind with that team, a lot of things went right for them. I don't think they had a single defensive starter who missed time that year. Maybe one. That's rare. Did not happen for them last year. You know, you and you look at their line, I think it was a little bit better. And I think he could move a little bit better. Well, actually, they weren't that good that year, but he could move a little bit better. Um, so a lot of things went right for them, but he did have a good year. Did not have a good year last year. So that, but again, I think I think they know this. I think they what they have to do, beef up the defense, get that running game squared away. They were still talking to Adrian Peterson, get that squared away and make sure you're solid there. But now you're covered there. I think the other thing Bram gives them is flexibility in the draft. Because you look at this, now they don't have to get a guy in the first round if they don't want to. And they don't have to have a guy who comes in and makes an instant impact there. You'd like to have a guy who can do that. I don't know that that guy exists at 15. So this now, to me, if you don't love the guy there, don't take him. Wait until the second, third round. Get Jared Stidham in the third round or someone like that and and see if he can develop into a guy. And if he doesn't, you're in position next year to then make a move. Are they out on Rosen now? No, we don't know. No, I don't think they are. What we don't know about Rosen is if he's even free because there's doubt out there that he'll even be free. And I think there's doubt within the Redskins that Rosen will be free. But what I was told right away is like, this doesn't stop Keenum's arrival does not stop anything from happening. Does not stop if they wanted to trade for Rosen, wouldn't stop that. If they wanted to draft a quarterback in the first round, it wouldn't stop that. I think what would stop some of that is their thoughts on that player more than saying, no, we're good. Well, let me ask you this then. Do they like Josh Rosen? Have you gotten even a sense of that? Are they even showing yeah, their no, hand no, on I, that? I, I do know that when he came out, I remember talking to people like they, they, they did like him. I think there was con- some concerns about the concerns that everybody else had about him. Just, you know, is, is, he, is he too much of, a, of an quote unquote individual versus a team player? Is he, is he someone, how is he gonna relate to guys? Is he too, you know, does he rub guys the wrong way? 
whether or not those questions are answered a certain way, those were some of the questions that teams had about them. And I think they fell in line with a lot of those too. Now, I've heard from guys, from somebody out there who are like, who swears that like guys there really did in the Arizona locker room do like him. Now, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I remember the first year with, you know, other guys here, Griffin or whomever, you'd always hear things, then later you'd hear something different. So who knows with Rosen? But I did hear that, that he has his fans out there and um, he's a very talented passer. I mean, I, you know, I think there's things that he'd have to work on his game, but I do not believe that they would be out on him if he became available. I don't know that they would ultimately trade for him, and they certainly should not trade that first pick, but I don't think they'd be out on him necessarily. I don't think he'd like the receivers here anyway. So why, why is Crowder gone? What's that about? Um, I think that's you just look at money, and I think there are, first of all, I know that they, they really liked him, um, and that's something you'd hear throughout the year, after the year, would like to find a way to keep him. The money was not, I mean, it was like, I think I want to say it's like eight, nine million a year. Yeah. I didn't see the full guarantees with him, but um, you know, you're also looking at durability, some things with him there. He's a smaller guy, but they know that he is better than Trey Quinn. All right, I don't think anybody's gonna dispute that. Then it's how much better, and is it $8 million better? Well, I don't know, but what I know is that he has short area quickness that is really good, but he's, but the problem that with Jamison seems like each of the last several um, training camps, he'd always miss a couple weeks with some sort of an issue. And two, in 17, he, was, he didn't miss a lot of time, but he was hurt for a lot of the year. So it affected his play. Last year, misses uh, you know, several, you know, games with, with a sprained ankle. So I think, I think there was some concern with that. But listen, you can't color this as saying that Trey Quinn is ready to step in. We don't know that. I think they like Trey Quinn. Right now, he'd be the guy to step in at slot. I think they do like him. They see some good things about him, but they know that Crowder was better. How about Doxon? I, I want to spend a lot of time on this. I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen to him. I actually thought he might get cut. Right now, you can't because the cap hit. He'd, he'd cost them money against the cap. You could do that in August. If they draft a receiver in the first round who's an X receiver, which is Doxon plays, you know, it wouldn't shock me if something happens. It wouldn't shock me if they tried to trade him. Um, I believe they tried to do that last year. There weren't any takers. Now, I don't, I'm not surprised by that because I think you want to see more from him. And I would say this too. This is one of the things that I think you, that I'm curious to watch with having a guy like um, Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. Both of them were more, would be more aggressive throwing down the field, not just like 30-yard passes, but 15-yard outs or whatever, to a guy like Doxon who needs that 50-50 ball to go win. That's something that, that Alex Smith was not giving them, and I think that's something that they were thinking might happen for him when McCoy stepped in last year. So I'll be curious to see if that improves for him or not. I thought he did a better job on, you know, on using maybe being a little bit more physical toward the end of the year and the second hour of the half of the year. I thought he competed well. And so I think that was a good sign to see. Made some tough catches. That's a good sign to see. I think he needs a quarterback who's going to give him some more 50-50 balls, and we'll see if that happens. All right, let me throw a few other names at you. We're not surprised by Preston Smith, right? No, that was – they never really went to him with an offer. You know, I, I, I figured in the summertime that he was gone, and, and that never changed. And I think the thing with him is good draft for edge rushers. They know that, and they know that they knew the market for a guy like Smith was going to go higher than they'd want to pay. How about Inseki? I, I don't like losing depth on the offense. I don't like line. losing him either because he's good. I think when they drafted Jerron Christian, I think there was your clue because he's the third-round pick. Now, Christian did not play well. Christian has to get better. 
But when they drafted him in the third round, you're doing so for a reason. You want him to be your swing tackle when Nseki goes. Nseki's 33, coming off injury issues, and what he got in Buffalo was more money and a chance to start. I think that's good for him. So I, I, it's, it's hard to see him go because he was a solid, solid backup for them. And the problem here is Trent Williams and Morgan Moses are always dealing with some aches and pains. So you, you know, is Christian a guy that when you go in there this year, can you count on him? I, we don't know yet. You know, he's got he's gonna be, when he's he's got the MCL when he's healthy he's gonna be working out with Trent Williams in Houston I think that'll be a good thing for him. All right, Mason Foster, I saw you get a lot of traction on this on Twitter because you had mentioned you're like he might get cut and everyone was like he's getting cut and he didn't. He yet. didn't. Yet. No, not yet. And I don't know like he he was one. Every time I talk to somebody, it was always like maybe maybe not. And it, and if he doesn't, the reason would be because first. Zach Brown and Reuben Foster play the same spot. Mason Foster can play either line, inside linebacker spot. So it's some value in having a guy like that in case Reuben Foster doesn't pan out, in case they don't feel like Sean Dion Hamilton can handle a starting role. Now, if Mason Foster's a backup, well, you're not keeping a backup inside linebacker at $4 million. Um, if you need him to start, then, then you have an inexpensive starter who's a two-down linebacker. Um, so I think that's why he's still here. Uh, it, I, I can still see it happening. Listen, if they had signed Mosley, Foster's gone as well. I think we'll see what happens in the draft. And if they sign anybody else at that position, then I think you know something could be done later on. But you know that's why he's still here now. Um, we were talking earlier about like the the old day splashy Snyder moves. That would have been Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell. So yes. were either of them even seriously being considered? Here? Le'Veon Bell, no. Um, you know, I heard some rumblings before, but like it. it I never heard them being in on him. Not after, you know, certainly not in the legal tampering period. And I even checked in last night when the price tag seemed to start to drop and it was a quick no. Um, as far as Antonio Brown, yeah, I be, they were interested in him. I don't think they were, I never thought they would get him because Oakland always had more resources, more picks, more money to spend. And you could give him the kind of deal. If I'm the, you know, and I don't know, I know they were uncomfortable with where CJ Mosley went with his deal. And, which is why they didn't sign him. And I think that would have been the same thing with Antonio Brown. I don't know that directly, but um, you know, I know that there was interest there. All right, I'll let you go with this. Uh, Nick Foles, what do you, you got to see him, right? We got to see, we got an up-close look at him, won a Super Bowl, got in the playoffs again. You think he's taking Jacksonville to the Super Bowl? Uh, I can't, I can't go there just yet. I thought the Eagles coaches did a great job with him. And I know John Filippo is there, is, there, is I think there's a coordinator. But Jacksonville's got the type of defense that they do. should they be do. there. And if they've got the type him, of running back, if he's I, motivated, that should take right, and I think there, they're gonna, right? right, and they do have some talent receiver. I think the thing with Foles is to watch is, again, I thought, and the people I would talk to would say Doug Peterson and Frank Reich were the guys who really made that work in Philly. And I'll be curious to see if Filippo can get it done down there with him. But Foles, listen, Foles, Foles did a really good job in that, in that Super Bowl against the Patriots. He was great. And I think the coaches used him perfectly. It's a great, it was great scheme, great execution by him. I, I can't jump and say that he's going to take him there, but I think they needed to get him. So you're not as into the Jaguars-Browns AFC Championship game <laughs> as I am? Because, when, like, the betting lines on the Browns just plummeted after they oh got Odell Beckham. So all of a sudden, everybody's just, that's happening now. And, and you know, it's funny because you look at that situation and how much talent is there, but you also have to keep a lot of guys happy and you have to manage you have a second you have a rookie head coach who's got to manage a lot of things that will be very new for him 
And so I'll be curious to see how that all works. And they also added some guys on defense. Sheldon Richardson, I think, was a good pickup for them as well. And so we'll be talking to you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. And also remember, please subscribe.